Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Yes, You Can podcast. I am so excited about today's episode. I cannot. I, this is a, we're getting to the point in the, in the podcast where I'm bringing on people who I am a genuine fan of, who I don't know, and who I'm speaking to for the first time as I'm recording these episodes. We're, we're growing from nearly a year ago when I just plunked in my microphone after a spin class, after a ride, and felt inspired to share my story. Today, we are talking to Sarah Davis. Sarah is a nationally accredited and state-licensed speech pathologist. I didn't know what that was at first either, specializing in voice with years of experience in clinical and medical settings. The fascinating part is that Sarah is also a fitness instructor, Legree and indoor cycling, and is a former bar instructor and a former master indoor cycling instructor. She's also a public speaker with years of experience in the fitness and sports media industries. We just wrapped up a chat where I learned so much. I'm not going to lie. It was a bit self-serving. I had some questions I wanted answered because quite frankly, professional development for fitness instructors is, you know, kind of non-existent. There are courses out there and there's trainings, but rarely do we get to hear from an expert like Sarah who knows both worlds, both the medical and as a fitness instructor. Sarah talks to us about how to heal your voice, routines you can implement on your way to class to help prepare your voice for the work ahead, how to actually project without yelling, how to avoid getting vocal burn or speaking from the throat, and many more. My favorite tip comes as one that you can do even while you're sleeping because I like to multitask and quite frankly, I can be a little bit lazy sometimes. So without further ado, I want to welcome Sarah Davis of VoxFit Consulting to the Yes You Can podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> so, I mean, I am I know about you because I've been a fangirl and because I've listened to the podcast that you've been on already. But for the listeners, we have tons of instructors, we have teachers, we have people who use their voice all the time. And so why don't you give a bit of your own background about how you got into what you're doing currently and your, your fitness professional background too. Sure. Yeah. And my, everything I'm going to say stems from passion and stems from me understanding occupational voice use, which means use your voice for your job, whatever that job is. I have a specific passion even more so for fitness professionals because I myself is am one as well. And, and kind of where VoxFit came from, just so you know, Vox is the Latin word for voice and oh fit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so my two worlds are the medical world, because I'm a speech and voice pathologist. I specialize in voice, swallowing, head and neck cancer, and airway disorders. I love to scope people, so I stick scopes in the nose and or the mouth, depending what the situation is. And I get to see vocal folds all day, every day, and really learn a lot about the inside. And I love to explain to patients what is going on on the inside and what their anatomy is and why and why they sound like they do and how we can help with voice therapy or other other um, types of interventions. Um, so that's kind of one world that I live in. And then, like I mentioned, I've been a fitness instructor since 2007 and uh, a different realms, basically indoor cycling, bar, Legree fitness for the most part. And I got to also be a master instructor for indoor cycling. So this was kind of when my eyes were open to um, the fact that 
There should be more voice training for fitness professionals in general. And and also what also uh, opened my eyes to that was in the clinic, in the voice clinic, I would see so many fitness professionals who were patients with vocal nodules or lots of things going on. And I just kept getting slapped in the face by both worlds, basically. Um, and something I just really felt called to do something to bridge the two worlds because I had a lot of passion about both of them. And long story short, I did research. Um, I got to present nationally twice. I uh, had That's the amazing. research published, but it's all about fit pros and voice. And what I found was just really, really interesting and sparked my passion even more. And that's what prompted me to create Vox Fit, which again, Vox, Latin word for voice and fit, kind of bridging that concept of we do want to make sure we're vocally fit for any job, but especially to inspire and motivate and teach others to do big things that they might not be able to do alone in their house, right? A community of fitness-minded people is very helpful for reaching our goals, and we want our voices to be reliable and to help in that adventure. So basically, I want to make sure that Fitness professionals are trained on how to protect, take care of, use, and dynamically and efficiently use their voice so they can have long, healthy careers. And I wouldn't see them as patients. Um, so, so basically, it's kind of the long and the short of it, but I'm very passionate about VoxFit, about the medical world, about the fitness world, motivating, inspiring, and all being in this great community of being inspired together to be better. So that's the long and the short, I would say. I love it. I, I, I'm so fascinated by this career and it makes so much sense because I, I think this area of vocal training is something that has been recognized by occupations like singers and actors and they it's it's sort of understood that your voice is a is your instrument or part of your arsenal of instruments and yet for some reason those of us who are yelling into a microphone and perhaps more than one time a day even for some reason there's been this disconnect on on taking care of our voices or even understanding how to use it and i think it's unfortunate because there's so many fitness instructors who start teaching who have no no training and myself included for for a, a lot of reasons but it's just you you're given a shot to maybe audition with a studio, they might not have a strong, strong training program. And you're just eager to get on the bike. You're just eager to, to figure it out. And you're overwhelmed with all the different things that you need to learn is, I mean, you've been teaching for, for quite a few years. And I think that's phenomenal. Did you, did you know any of this before you started teaching or were you finding out kind of simultaneously as you were in your program? Cause I know this has been a passion of yours since you said, I think you said junior in high school somewhere in Ohio, which I was yeah. amazing. Yeah. So related to speech pathology, yes, that was kind of high school. I knew that I wanted to go that route. And the longer I stayed in the education part of it and training and whatnot. I wanted to keep specializing to soon be very involved with voice, which is kind of a specialty. Um, but related to fitness instruction, I became an instructor in grad school. And so, no, there was not any voice training when I first was 
being trained in how to teach. But that was also when I was going through grad school. And I come from also a background of a little bit related to sports media as well and public speaking. And I've always been very in tune to voice uh, sung, but not professionally, but, uh, you know, at church and things worked with a lot of singers as well. So I knew that was a huge component. I also, as you probably have, have been to classes where the person does not have maybe the best vocal command or control of the voice, and it makes a big difference in a class. So even as far as when I was in grad school, first becoming an instructor, I noticed those things, and I knew the big difference that it made. But as I further progressed in the, the, all the little worlds that I lived in, it became more and more apparent. And then it was when I started having fit pros as voice clients in the clinic. And then, like I said, seeing them also as co-instructors or people I would train. That's when I just really, really felt called to become active in both worlds even more than I was by providing education and empowering people to protect their instrument, like you said, but also become dynamic and become efficient with voice use to really command a crowd and inspire and motivate. I love that. And it's everything you say, I'm just going to repeat that. I love that over and over again, but I, I think it's so interesting because when we, you know, when people are starting out, I think there's a misconception that you need to yell to have presence Mm-hmm. And volume equals presence. Mm-hmm. And in fact, something I found, and I, I think you agree with and and have spoken about before, is that silence and pausing is an enunciation of your voice actually brings in such a more dynamic energy and presence to a room. And so I wondered if you could speak about maybe some some things that either fitness professionals or occupational voice users is what you call them Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and how they can use that to their advantage so that it isn't this constant volume and like, it's just such a strain. You hear it, you hear the strain in somebody's voice when they're up here the entire time. Yes. So related to fit pros, if, okay, let's even just say indoor cycling, Obviously, the music is a huge part of class. And number one thing, you don't want to compete with the music. And we need the music to be loud. Uh, We're motivating and we're making people move on a stationary bike to the rhythm. And sometimes it's obviously very fast and things like that. So you want to never compete with the music with your voice. You want to weave your voice in and out of different tempos, different music volumes and whatnot. Um, so that it creates a journey. And like you mentioned, you can use volume for me. I call them the elements of vocal spice, but it's one component of spice is intensity and or volume. So when you use your voice, loud, like for some reason, something huge is going to happen. Number one, you kind of got to know two things. One, the healthy way to project, which I will always teach people, even if they have a pathology or something is wrong, I still want to teach people the healthy way to project because I do know they'll probably do it, especially if they're an instructor. So I want them to know the healthy way to project, number one, but then also um, the fact that number one, yelling is not effective because if you yell, number one, the mic is not doing 
what it should. The mic amplifies you. So if you're yelling, you're kind of ruling the mic and Mm -hmm. the mic is going to amplify you yelling, which is really not what you want your people to hear. You Mm -hmm. want the mic to amplify you and your message and your tone, the way that you use it, all the things that you sprinkle in with your voice. And you also want there to be breaks, like you mentioned, pauses so people can get outside their mind because of the music and everything else. So when you yell, you get amplified with that yell. You also likely are straining in some capacity because the music is also loud. Mm -hmm. And eventually, if you yell, let's just say more than once, it's not going to be good for the listener. They may Mm -hmm. eventually tune you out because too much yelling is kind of like a put-off, a standoff, and they're not going to be as connected to you, as pulled in, because that yelling is kind of like pushing someone away and we obviously don't want to do that we can definitely motivate with volume with intensity but it's the way that we sprinkle it in coordination with our our current mission like what we're doing right then in that moment intervals or choreography or whatever it is what the music is saying um the way that you use softer volume too like all of a sudden you might do something like this and it kind of pulls people in a little bit more attracts them to you more than that activation factor of intensity would there's just a lot that you can do spicy wise with your voice that will create a whole journey in your class way more than just that constant yelling but back to what you said at the beginning You know, if there's not too much vocal training, somebody that's a new instructor may think they need to, quote, yell because they may have seen like a boot camp type of class before and or like a drill sergeant type of thing and and think they need to be like that. Or they may think, oh, I need to command a room of people. That means I need to use my voice a certain way. That's probably like a yell. That's how I should motivate people. And so unless people know different, that's what they might go to at the beginning, in which case newer instructors are usually the ones that get vocal injuries quicker just because the vocal demand gets higher and they're yelling or they're not taking care of their instrument as they should and they keep teaching and you know it just kind of builds and then they come to a point where dang I lose my voice by Wednesday and it used to be okay till Saturday or they combine it with maybe social activities as well as maybe a day job or whatever the case may be vocal demands add up and eventually your voice will speak to you and you have to listen. So, you know, it all will show its face eventually. But but back to what you were saying about the ways that you can use your voice, pausing, for example, even occupational voice users. So this could be, like you mentioned, singers, teachers, lawyers, doctors, um, people who work at a call center, people who are in sales, Etc. The list goes on. Pretty much everybody uses their voice for their job, especially nowadays. Yeah, Yeah. all these Zoom calls. (laughs) Exactly. And that's a whole other beast because we're dealing with people that may think they need to yell into the computer or the microphone (laughs) until they realize it actually, again, is amplifying you. So it's more about how in tune you are to your own voice. And Mm -hmm. sometimes something as simple as one headphone or two, or even plugging one ear 
really tunes you in to what you sound like, which is super important because you and your self-awareness is actually a great way to be in tune to what you sound like, how you're using your voice. And this for instructors is inside and outside the studio because it's the same instrument in the studio, outside the studio, when you're talking to your dog, when you're talking at the bar, when whatever applies in your life, it's the same instrument. So that's always good to think of. But what I was mentioning about occupational voice users, the pause with being an instructor or with teaching um, a class or with sales or whatever applies to you. The pause is uncomfortable for a lot of people because there's obviously a place of silence. And our tendencies, anybody's in life, is to fill the space because we feel uncomfortable in those minutes, in those seconds. It's really like a half a second, but feels like a year. And in those seconds, it's really great, for example, if you're teaching a fitness class and or cycling, that is a great place to really help people listen to the music, get outside their mind, and or just be really aware and in tune to what you're about to say next. So if you're going to build something up and then add an uh, important and impactful pause, all of a sudden that pause there was very purposeful and kind of pulled someone in, attracted them to you, and guess what? It gave you time to get vocal energy because Vocal energy is air. Air is what powers the vocal folds. And unless we pause, we can't get air. We got to breathe somewhere. And we're also moving and exercising. So it's really important that we take time to breathe. And that's how we vibrate those vocal folds. And if we never take time, the muscles can take over and cause us to strain or use effort. And as you might know, we could feel that at the end of one class, at the end of a song, at the end of three classes, you feel like you've been working hard in your throat. And that's not yeah. a good sign. Yeah. And it's not supposed to be that way, which right. is something that I, I love that you've said before. Um, the pause is such a powerful thing. And if there's one thing I want new fitness instructors to think about is, is to try and use that and silence to their advantage, because it is such a powerful moment. If you think about the instructors that you love, they command a room with every part of their being. And even when it's silence, this silent, you can feel this energy. And it actually yes. sometimes gets people to cheer in that moment mm -hmm. or to just, they're locked in with you if you are confident to let the silence just be. Yes. Um, but I also love that it helps you sort of recalibrate yourself in that moment because it is, it's it's a unique fitness uh, the class where you're you're working out as you are teaching, which is not the case for yes. for everything. Where that you know other other boot camps or whatever, where you're mm -hmm. kind of walking around and just adjusting people or giving cues. This is right. we are on that bike. We are working. We are breathing. And I get a lot of questions about you know how to breathe with the microphone, which I think mm -hmm. is a completely different beast. But what are some things then that we is besides pausing and allowing air to come in and, and help us with that, um, fuel, that fuel element, what are mm -hmm. some things that we can do to prepare before we go to our rides or classes? Because we all have these routines that are, at least I have a very specific routine before I get ready for my rides. And I found lately 
with the Winnipeg winters. We were talking about the weather before we started recording. I'm finding that with that and teaching virtually, I'm having to re like commit to my self-awareness of my voice Mm -hmm. and not feel like I need to yell into the camera and reach every single person. I need to understand how to set up my levels in my room and and we call it the vault and and at wheelhouse, how to set up my levels so that I feel confident that I don't need to yell and I don't need to have somebody right in front of me to just to play with my enunciations. So Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, going back to the routine, the day of a ride or the hour before, however you want to frame it, what would, what are the things that you would be doing to prepare your voice? Mm -hmm. And I actually tell patients this and clients for VoxFit all the time because I practice what I preach and it's very important that I do because Weirdly enough, I like to scope myself and look at my own book. I know. But <laughs> That's so amazing. I, love, I, that. I love to do that. And if something's feeling funky, like, oh, a sinus infection, or I just feel a little dehydrated or something, I really like to take a peek in there and check it out. And I really believe, because it's true, we have control over, in most cases, we have control over what this is going to look like in here. And I'm pointing to my throat because, again, (laughs) this is our instrument. This is what does perform for us. This is how we physically touch people without touching them at all, especially nowadays. How are you going to allow your voice to reach out either through a computer or, if you're in a class, literally through your body to someone else's, and they're going to literally feel you through your voice. And ways, you know, you can think are that your voice is riding out on the air, coming out your mouth, maybe even your upper lip instead of your throat. If you envision your voice is coming out of your throat, you might kind of sound like this or even worse, or maybe oh you gosh. sound like this, when you, right? When you did that, I was like, I could hear instructors that I know yeah. and that I have I've specifically done that before. That's uncanny. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a backward focused resonance uh, with muscle tension, really. And so we want to always imagine air coming up and out of us. And that voice is going to be riding out on the air. And I really like the visual of your voice is wrapping around the air in front of you. And that's also really good for command. It's good to be crisp and clear. And imagine that voice wrapping out, wrapping around the air in front of you. And again, reaching someone else through that. Um, Related to what we mentioned about a routine and how we can reach out and touch someone because we're going to be protecting our instrument so it can do so is simply, let's just start with the basics, hydration. So we hear, oh, water. There's actually four ways to hydrate specifically four ways. Uh, Hydration via water is one way, which is systemic hydration, which means gets your whole body. And still weirdly in the research, we don't know yet how long it takes to affect the vocal folds, but we know that it does. And I believe that it does for me right away, although it doesn't. It takes time. It's systemic hydration. And the goal is minimum of half your body weight in ounces daily. It's kind of the rule of thumb nowadays. It used to be, oh, 64 ounces, so eight, eight ounce glasses. But ideally, you want to know what your weight is. You want to divide it by two. Let that be your minimum uh, in ounces. Um, But 
For example, if you use any dehydrators, which could be caffeine, alcohol, smoking, exposure to smoke, but literally let's cut those two right now because honestly, I've scoped a lot of people with head and neck cancer. I've seen people smoke from the stoma in their, their neck when they have a laryngectomy. It's just we know so much more now about what smoking can do to you. I vote you quit now if that's a thing for you. But anyways, okay, smoking, exposure to smoke, um, drying medications, drying environments. I live in Arizona now, and it is very different than where I used to live. That was very humid in the southeast. So be aware if your environment is dry. For example, um, at night, if you use the heat right now in the winter, that's probably applicable for a lot of people or Even air conditioning can be drying. So it's very good to be aware of all those things that could be dehydrators and then be aware how you can offset. If you love coffee, one cup is usually just fine. But sometimes more than that, can we offset it with more water or more hydration other ways? So again, think of that. So let's just say, for example... I use one liter bottles. I love one liter bottles or bigger because I know how many ounces are in it and I know how many times per day I need to refill to get my goal. Now, I drink way more than half my body weight in ounces. I usually drink four or five liters, which again, like I said, is more than I need, but I know how good it is for you, for your skin, for your body, for your voice, for a lot of things. So just my soapbox about water. Um, Side note, there is a movement nowadays, which is wonderful, towards alkaline water, alkalinity in your body. Yeah, because reflux, although possibly overdiagnosed a lot of times, is more common nowadays in a lot of people. And this just means you know, food, liquid, or acid splashing up in a really fragile area that is your voice box region. This is called laryngopharyngeal reflux. Regular GERD, which is gastroesophageal reflux, is when it is irritating the esophagus and stuff from the stomach is coming up through the esophagus, and it really shouldn't. So there's those two types, but in general, both of them we don't want. So there is a lot of research talking about how we should kind of aim to get our body more alkaline. So if you aim for alkaline water, not only are you hydrating yourself, but you are keeping your body more alkaline, which is a good decision. But side note, okay, so we have water. Second is humidifier. This is another systemic hydration method. And this is as simple as running a humidifier, ultrasonic cool mist humidifier, say in your bedroom, while you sleep, you will be getting hydrated instead of being dried out all night long. And this especially applies if you sleep with your mouth open, which a lot of people might. Um, and you know, like I said, if the heat's on or the air's on, these are ways that you can be dried out. So yeah, humidifier. Our weather right now is so dry mm-hmm. in the egg, I'm sure across Canada too, but we have very dry winters here. And actually, after listening to you on another podcast, I ordered a humidifier today. Because <laughs> so, I was like, I, I love multitasking. I love being efficient. And I'm like, why can't we sleeping and hydrating yes. at the same time? That's amazing. And yep. to be honest, I have been a perpetual offender of not drinking enough water. People who are listening are, are probably laughing because I think that's a 
little bit of an understatement. But as I've gotten into my 30s, I've realized how how many benefits there are. And as this being my job, this being a literal job and a passion of mine, if there's something I can be doing that's easy, that's going to benefit me in all ways, yeah. um, why, why not? Yeah. So we've got drink water, humidify, like, you know, get some more water in you mm-hmm. and a humidifier. Yep. At and night. then, yep. And then number three is steam. So steam is our first direct and immediate way to hydrate, but steam is, and I'm talking steam shower, steam room, or boil water on the pot, pour it in a bowl, put your face over that, breathe in five minutes, towel on the head is great. This is also good for your skin, but The particles of moisture produced from steam are actually too large to make it all the way to your vocal folds, but this directly and immediately hydrates your mouth and your throat, which is still very beneficial and especially helps you if you have sinus and allergy issues as well. So steam, third way, and then fourth way, the only way to directly and immediately hydrate your vocal folds because it produces particles of moisture that are small enough to go right on those vocal fold tissues is using an ultrasonic nebulizer, is what the device is called, with 0.9% isotonic saline solution. And what this just means is since the particles that are produced are small enough to go right on your vocal folds, If we put water on there, you're going to choke, obviously. So we need saline solution, which is what your body already makes on your vocal folds. And so when you use this little device, and my favorite one is called Vocal Mist, and it was made um, by a singer in L.A., and um, it's very portable. You can charge it with a USB. There's a mask attachment and or a mouthpiece. I like to use the mouthpiece, but and it comes with the vials of saline solution, so it's very easy to use, and if you want to really baby your vocal folds, do it while you're driving and go teach. You literally will notice a difference in five minutes of doing this, and it's direct and immediate to your vocal folds in terms of hydration, the only thing that can directly go on those vocal fold tissues. Or again, if you feel like you've taught three classes during the day and you're for some odd reason your voice is shot or you're not feeling good or you feel like you might be getting a cold and you had to teach through it or whatever the case may be, a long day of work or extended voice use, do it at the end of the day. It's a great way to baby your vocal folds. Um, but those are all four ways to provide hydration besides just reducing any dehydrators as well. I love that. It's, I mean, I think it's the way you put it is babying your, your vocal cords. It's so great. It's, I think another way of putting it is like, it's self-care. It's like, it's such good self-care because this is something we, we put, we have masks, we have facials, we do all these things for our skin, but Mm -hmm. there's ways of, of starting from the inside. And especially for those of us who are teaching and you, we have routine where we're driving, we're listening to music, we're already going through the things we might even be speaking and practicing how we're going to say things. Um, I just, I just absolutely love that. I wanted to touch on uh, that example because, again, I was floored. I literally interrupted you as you were doing it. The the speaking, did you say you're speaking from your throat? Is that uh-huh. like, you put it? Because I feel like I hear that. It was so uncanny to me. And so where should you be speaking from in your body if yeah. not your throat? <laughs> Definitely not the throat, although, again, a lot of people aren't aware. They think We should speak from our throat because our voice box or larynx is in there. Our vocal folds are in there. But 
It's more of how you use these vocal folds. We want our subsystems of voice is what it's called, respiratory, phonatory, resonatory. Fourth is articulatory, which is just kind of your speech movements, but we're more concerned about the first three. We want it all to be connected, rebalancing you, recoordinating you, recalibrating you. That's the point of doing, which again, related to um, a little routine to do besides just hydrate. You want to be doing reset tasks. You want to be doing warm-up tasks, things that prep your voice for dynamic voice use and healthy voice use. And examples of these are things that connect and calibrate and rebalance and restructure and coordinate your systems of voice, like I mentioned. So if we can understand where voice comes from, which is, again, not your throat, the voice actually comes from AKA is supported by the abdominal muscles, weirdly enough, the abdominals, the obliques, even the pelvic floor. There's research that shows the voice can come from that low and that crazy awesome of a muscle um, group. And so, so yes, and people think, um, you know, people hear, I think I'm supposed to breathe from my diaphragm or with my diaphragm. Mm -hmm. But in reality, that's a myth because the diaphragm is actually passive. We okay. just have to get out of our own way and allow <laughs> our diaphragm to do what it's supposed to do, which is actually relax and contract naturally. Like we literally have no control over the diaphragm. Okay. And then what we can control is our abdominals. And it's more of engagement, contraction, engagement to produce healthy projection, healthy volume of our voice. And so Sometimes an imagery tool, which again, try yourself at home. It's kind of funky, but it's helpful. If you imagine your lips are literally a sticker, and I want you to literally visualize your own lips. If you wear lipstick all the time, visualize those lips. If you have um, a, a piercing on your lip, visualize that. Whatever is you and authentic to you, I want you to see your lips. I want you to see yourself literally taking them off your face like a sticker and putting them on your belly. And I want you now to talk from your belly and see your lips move. As weird as this sounds, start visualizing your lips on your stomach moving and watch them talk. And you might understand that you get this new place from where you're talking as maybe we learn a little bit about breath support and um, connecting air and voice and all that stuff. But sometimes just imagery of visualizing your lips on your stomach or your voice riding out on the air or an open and relaxed throat. And I like to give the imagery here of an open garden hose. And if your voice is going to come out your face and wrap around the air in front of you to reach out and touch someone, it can't be like a garden hose where the restriction or the kink in your hose is in your throat. It's got to be open and free-flowing with that air and that voice to reach out and get somebody. get Not get them. Touch them and impact them and have yeah. a positive, um, positive impact on them because of you and who you are. So... Yeah. So all this kind of goes together, but related to where your voice comes from, yes, I want you to be aware that it comes from much lower, and it's proven in our anatomy, it's, pro it's proven in research, and there are a lot of little exercises we can do to alert you to what that feels like, where the voice comes from versus effort. You always want to yeah. feel 
vocal energy versus vocal effort. If you're feeling effort from the throat, that is, I don't want to say not correct, but that's not something I want you to feel. I want you to feel energy, support, and those kind of feelings versus effort or strain and those kind of feelings. Yeah. And you'll see it too afterwards. Like you'll know which, which you were doing because Mm -hmm. you'll be, it'll be fatigued and feel strained and, and that garden hose constriction sort of uh, visualization. I'm a huge visual person. So when Mm -hmm. you were doing the, the belly, the lifts on the belly thing, I was like, this feels feels weird already just to think about it. But it's, it's helpful because it really shows you how low on your, on your form, on your core, this needs to be. And immediately my abs tightened up and sort of like Mm -hmm. supported me in my chair, even, even here. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really, really important for us to think about that because we are sitting on a bike and depending where our own head is, I feel like we can maybe naturally fall to that reflex of having it be in our throat, or maybe we were taught that our voice should have this like burn on it to have this micro, this instructor voice that we hear time and time again. So it's perpetuating what we think we should sound like. I love that you have this narration and this, this, the story that your voice should just be amplified. um, But it doesn't sound like a different voice coming from your throat. It should Correct. just be supported. Yeah. Supported. And and one other thing that kind of goes along with that, that is an exercise I'll do with people a lot, but the general concept is breathing from new places. And what it really does is it brings your awareness to, yes, like I said, the abdominals, the obliques, the pelvic floor, but we can actually breathe from so many other places in our body Again, and the point is redirecting everything out of our throat, okay? So there's an exercise where we might do some breaths, for example, with our arms up, and I want your mind in your, quote, chest. We're not breathing from our chest. We're still going to engage our core as we run out of breath on the exhale, but our mind is now in our chest. Then we put our hands behind our head. Our mind is now in our ribs. Then we give ourselves a hug and our mind is in our upper back and we're expanding back there. We're breathing from there. We bend over with our elbows on our knees. Your mind is now in your low back and your pelvis and you're breathing from there. And then we give ourselves a low hug and our mind is now in our obliques and the side of our body, you feel that expansion there. And then we kind of progress from there and do an exercise where we talk from all those places. So this applies to if you're doing a plank, how can you actually talk from your upper back and direct that attention there and kind of feel it coming out here instead of coming out your throat with a lot of strain and effort while you're holding a plank or again, while you're on a bike where you're head and neck alignment is not optimal for your resonatory tract, so your vocal tract, or your respiratory support, because we're in a weird position. We're riding a bike. We're doing things that are fast. We're doing choreography. But can you kind of refer to some of these concepts and feel the engagement or feel the support from other places? And once you realize you can, your voice can get a lot of power, again, without yelling, straining, effort, And then you can obviously sprinkle in some of that vocal spice that I mentioned, but it's really important for people to realize 
We don't need effort. That's like the big theme. Where else can we get support from? We don't need strain. We don't need effort. That'll definitely show its face and you're going to feel it and know it eventually. And we want to make sure you have tools to reset and recalibrate yourself before it's too late in terms of if you strain for a class or a week of classes, how can you reposture your vocal folds so that they're healthy and we retrain them to vibrate well? And that kind of goes along with any fitness instructor should have, you need an arsenal of little exercises that are little reset tools, little ways that you can set yourself up for success in case something goes wrong. Or if it doesn't, no big deal. You're continuing to train this mechanism to be ready for you and to be healthy sounding and, and, or just be reset after I'm not going to lie and say my voice is so perfect every class because you know when passion creeps in and music and you want a little grit and whatever else makes sense with your class sure that's great but do you know any ways to reset after or do you know after a long day let's say you also have a job in the daytime that's not instruction like that's a nine to five so you talk all day long for that then you teach at night in between the two and this applies to me directly because i do it What can you do to reset your voice? What can you do to prep yourself for teaching and not just go straight from one to the other without attending to your vocal folds? Because they're the things that are going to create that journey in a class and engage a lot of people. And of course, there's music, there's movement. and, And one thing you mentioned earlier that I love and I preach to a lot is the fact that, especially when you pause, There's energy that's involved and energy is so important. And we know that our energy introduces us before we even open our mouth to speak. So obviously that's unrelated to voice, but energy is so important. And so being confident in the pause, you get your vocal energy in the pause because you breathe, but you contribute to the energy in the room with your voice, but also with your pause and with your posture and with your energy you exude and everything else. You're walking around the room, maybe your posture, maybe you do like a pose on the bike where you're not riding, but you coach. Everything you do, your passion, your positivity, whatever applies to you, that's your energy. And that is sometimes way more important, a lot of, most of the time, way more important than what you say. And so that's really important to remember as well, because your energy will carry you. Your energy connects you to others and will bring them back to you. Because it's that one thing that they're like, eh, I am obsessed with this person's class. I, I don't know if I can explain it. I think I can, but like, there's that one thing that they're like connected to you with. And that has a lot to do with your energy. And that's why, too, as an instructor, it's very important to remember whatever is happening in your day, as I know all of you are aware, we just can't carry things into our class unless it's all positive, obviously. But whatever's happening with you, you're a stage performer when you get on that podium or when you step in that bar studio or whatever you're doing, you are now coaching them you're you're bringing them to places they can't get alone and obviously your voice is a vehicle for delivery of that mission and message but your energy just really speaks a lot to who you are and you can't fake it they p- people pick up on your energy and how authentic you are so again that's why with voice 
we don't want to fake it. We don't want to like make ourselves think we need to yell or we need to be a certain low pitch or whatever. It makes sense for you. You want to find your authentic voice, your optimal pitch. You want to realize where you fit the best and really amplify that to let your energy shine even more. I love that. (laughs) I, I feel like it's so important to understand how your voice is one tool in your entire arsenal. And it's incredibly important, but it, it means also knowing when to put it forward and bring it back. And, Mm -hmm. and how do you give people the chance to even digest what you're saying? You, I, I like to repeat maybe the three words I'm saying. Uh, yes, you can is the name of this podcast. That's mm-hmm. my that's my tagline, and I use it sparingly. I'm not saying yes, you can all of you all day, mm-hmm. but I will choose a phrase or something, and I will either sprinkle it through and build up to the point where I kind of tie it all in a bow for them in the final track, yeah. or I'm repeating myself, and then I let it hang in the air. Because they are doing a a class as they're listening to you, as they're in the music, as they're like, holy shit, this is really hard, as Mm -hmm. they're thinking about their own day and trying to let it go. And so if you are just like peppering them with a bunch of different messages about a bunch of different things and keeping your volume high, it's going to fall on deaf ears quite literally. Like they're not going to be able to hear you, never mind understand or take something away. And and so I I have lots of goals for how I want to be as an instructor, but I have heard that people feel like my classes are therapy, <laughs> quoting them, quote, quote, Good. therapy yeah. Yeah. and a workout. And I, I think that's because I go in there with a message and I use, I try and use my voice and the music and what I'm saying to support this whole overarching um, piece of impact, something that I want them to come away with. Yes. Um, and I, I heard you, I, I think it was another podcast that you were, you were giving an example of how you can put emphasis on different words and actually make a sentence sound like uh-huh. a little bit different every time. I wondered if you could do that. Totally. Because I was like, Oh my gosh, I knew this, but I couldn't articulate this. Yes. So related to emphasis. Yep. Um, tone inflection. There's a lot that you can do with what you're saying. And for example, with you, if your phrase is yes, you can, or if your phrase is let's go or whatever, it makes sense for the person's class, whatever they're teaching. If you know there are certain phrases that you repeat or you kind of have as taglines, or like you said, you're going to sprinkle within a class or something you use even just to build for an interval or whatever you're doing, we we do want to learn to use our voice different ways to create more impact with this phrase or send a different message with this phrase. And so sometimes it's good to practice. I like to have people go home, you know, after we might work together, go home and write 10 phrases they might say in a class or even just a normal day just to practice this idea. And let's just say something really easy. Okay, let's do... Good morning, how are you? Okay, that's it. And so that's our phrase. And pick 10 different emotions. Because remember, your delivery, your emotions, your vibe, 
can obviously be sent to them. They pick up on that. They can reflect it. They can tune into it. There's lots of things that can happen, as you mentioned, in a class, especially with energy and the magic that can be created. So play with emotions. Practice. Although you might feel so silly, and that's a-okay, because remember, you're a stage performer. You have a new job as an instructor that your job is not to be your same old person. Your job is to realize you have a duty to inspire, to motivate, to create energy in a room of a lot of people moving together or whatever you're teaching. And so whatever applies to you, you have this new duty. And so we want you to be very aware of your power. And so with emotion, for example, practice getting silly with your voice. Literally, good morning, how are you? And let's say it like you're sad. Let's say it like you're angry. Let's say it like you're excited, like you're exhausted, like you're being um, motivating, like you are being commandy, whatever that means to you. There are no right and wrong answers. It's just kind of playing with your voice and what you feel. And maybe you do this with someone and you ask them, hey, what did you feel through my voice right there? What emotion did, what was I giving there? And then see what they say. It could be something total opposite than what you were going for. So just kind of playing with that and recognizing that in a class, you have that same power and the way that you deliver your voice in certain moments can send messages differently and can really create an energy, like I mentioned, so that People might feel more empowered to do something. Maybe they did not want to hit that double beat on the beat drop, but because of how you use your voice in a certain moment or the rate that right before you did something huge, you actually pulled them in a little bit because we can do this. And, you know, you went slower. Or we're about to do this right now, and I'm going to do it with you. We are here together, and, you know, like the speed, you speed it up. Whatever makes sense for what you're doing, but the music's got to make sense with what you're doing. That's also another whole point. It cannot contradict what you want them to do, um, your voice, your music. It's all got to be connected. So related to just vocal spice, again, emphasis on certain words also, certain parts of words Like you mentioned, the yes, you can idea. So could we say, let's emphasize the yes. Yes, you can. That's one message. Maybe we do, yes, you can. And then maybe we do, yes, you can. So like, I love it. It sounds like three completely different things. And it's just how you use your voice to really portray what message you want to give. So if you were, by saying yes, you can, you wanted to really emphasize the you part because you're doing something very empowering in this moment with this song. You want people to really get into their purpose, their why, how awesome they are, whatever that means. Then yeah, let's emphasize the you. You are doing this right now. I'm here with you, but you are moving mountains or whatever you want to say, but there's the pause too. There's just so much that you can use to evolve your journey together, your your relationship with your clients. Um, the voice truly can make a huge impact. And so all these things, again, people aren't really taught. They may pick up along the way and you want to make sure it's authentic to you, like I mentioned, but 
you have to understand that if number one, you don't have command over a room that makes, it can make or break a class. But also if you don't use your voice to create that journey, that also, like you mentioned, if somebody talks forever, you can easily tune them out because they want to hear the music. They want to get the message sprinkled. But gosh, if somebody's just nonstop doing quotes or something, they're not going to enjoy it. So it's the way that you use your message, your voice, your energy, your music, your everything that's really going to make an impact. And if you do too much, again, the tune out. If you just are up there having a conversation about your day or something, sometimes that's good, but it's more important, I think, that you're kind of like in the zone with your people and you do have a mission or a message you're giving because it's not about you. It's about them and kind of like the whole aspect of this is not our workout. It is theirs. So that's also why if you happen to notice you are running out of breath or sounding a little too winded, it's okay to perch up there and coach because it's better that you do that than let your voice or your energy be sacrificed. And, or again, this is not your workout. It's theirs. So you have to be on for motivating and do what you can with the workout. But again, take a class if you want to have a workout. And sometimes that's something instructors at the beginning might struggle with because they want to do both. But you're going to be your best instructor when you're able to coach and really hone into that and the power of it too. I completely agree. I think we have such an opportunity to connect with people, but if we make it about ourselves in any way, if we don't see ourselves as an instrument or a vessel mm-hmm. to create connection with the writers to a deeper message, a deeper meaning, a deeper story about themselves, and we just provide them with these little vignettes so that they can start to like see their reflection in the mirror like for who they really are, for things that they're really overcoming. If we're just up there telling our story, making it about us in terms of the workout um, or the intensity, whatever it is, it's, it's such a missed opportunity at the, at like at the highest level, it's, right. it's providing something with not a great workout, but it's a missed opportunity to create connection and community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do completely agree that I love that you say, just perch up there, <laughs> just perch up there and coach yeah. <laughs> because it is, there's, there's moments to do that. There's moments to be in the work with them for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you are not keeping up, especially at the beginning, your endurance will will only improve as the more you teach, the more um, rides you're teaching and yeah. you're getting used to speaking while doing it. But it, coaching is much better than trying to do everything and losing your voice and mm-hmm. and being overwhelmed by the music and, and everything. I Gosh, I just want to take one of your classes now. I, oh, as, you were, yeah. as you were kind of doing your motivation, I was like, oh my gosh, where can, are, you, are you teaching at all right now? Or? Well, I just moved back. Well, I moved to Arizona. So actually, tell you the truth, I'm not currently teaching Legree or cycling, but hopefully very soon because it's killing me because I (laughs) always live in both worlds. And um, it's only been a little under a month that we've been here, but just kind of getting into the work mode and then unpacking and then it was the holidays and whatnot. So, but I'm really hoping I've been going to a bunch of classes and I just... Yeah, I'm hoping soon that there will be opportunities, which I have a good feeling. So I, I do too. I, yeah. I think this is something that you're meant to do and mm-hmm. share your gift with others in, in every way. And I just feel like for anybody who's listening, who's thinking about starting a studio, opening a studio, doing mm-hmm. professional development, um, get in touch with Sarah. She's doing 
courses. Can I promote your courses? You're oh doing, yeah, sure. Doing yeah. Courses through VoxFit and you do consulting work, right? With, with mm-hmm. fitness professionals. Yeah. Individually via virtually for the most part, unless you live in Arizona now, okay. um, but also group seminars. So I've, I've gone to several studios and or companies that provide voice training um, related to let's just say studios, how to use your voice. Number one, voice care, vocal hygiene, protecting your instrument. Number two, vocal efficiency. So using that same instrument every day, wherever you are, and then also in a healthy way in the studio. And then number three, vocal dynamics. So using your voice as you should when you're an instructor to command a whole room and be engaging and have a long, healthy career really. And really make it a good experience for clients, which in general is truly a factor of keeping clientele. You want the instructors to pull people in and voices again is a huge component of that and just really helps create the energy. And, and again, back to the health, cause that's my whole medical side. And I've seen some, some crazy pathologies and some very tight throats and muscle tension and whatnot. So I've seen, a lot of what can and does happen. So really prioritizing the health of your instrument, just like you would if, if you played guitar, you'd be polishing that thing every day. You'd be really keeping it in the case and caring for it and doing all that you can to make sure that it plays. Same with the piano, same with any instrument, same with your body. If you're a bodybuilder, if you are a runner, you're taking optimal care of your instrument. Because it won't function if you don't. And we seem to forget about our voices, even as occupational voice users. That That's a big passion of mine. Just because, again, like I said, I've seen on the inside and the outside related to muscles, too, of what does happen. And I think it's super important that people feel empowered, that they can take control over that instead of just let things happen because the vocal demands get higher or you don't have that training There are lots of ways that you can be your own best advocate for vocal health. And just remember, it is your instrument. It can do beautiful things, but you want it to be in optimal condition for you so that you can use it for your mission. And like you said, as an instructor, you know, you're a gift because you really are. And all instructors, even brand new ones, you have that passion or some kind of thing in your heart right now, or it's been for 20 years or whatever in your heart telling you to do this. Literally, you have to listen to that because you might try not to, and it's going to still be there. And it's going to keep telling you, you were made to do this. You are a gift. Not everybody has that little spark in their heart to Mm -hmm. instruct fitness classes and motivate entire rooms and make people do hard things they can't do alone. So you have to listen to that. And then you have to recognize too, okay, what parts of me is this going to require? How do I get myself in the best condition to do this really well and keep learning? You know, it's all a journey. Evolution is beautiful with what we learn as we continue to grow through any job, but especially something like this that does involve mind, body, soul connection, music connection, movement. We know movement is medicine and I'm really passionate about that too. Cause literally even especially this year, you know, movement is sanity. Fitness is sanity truly. Yep. And I, I'm a different person when I get a workout or get to move on a bike or just, you know, move with music feel strong. That does huge things for our own sanity and our own Mm -hmm. 
energy and positivity and confidence. So as instructors, you can exude that to others and you can also take pride in something really valuable to a lot of people that you're prioritizing and sharing Mm -hmm. with them. So little notes about instructorship, but something I'm really passionate about too. And again, the medical world, nothing against them because I obviously live in that world and I absolutely love it. And I love research and all the crazy clinical things, but sometimes they don't always understand the fitness world because, you know, they might just say, Oh, turn down the music or, you know, don't teach that many classes or there can be a lot that's said for medical perspectives towards the fitness world. And a lot of times it's just because both worlds don't always understand each other or there's not as much bridging as there could be. So that's also where my passion comes in is I do understand both worlds and I love both worlds and I love the people in both worlds. And it's just important that we do bridge it and we do understand occupational voice users. And sometimes we, we can't say, okay, if you work at a call center, you can't be on the phones for that many hours per day. Well, if, if we say that your boss might say you're fired. So what can we do instead with your voice? Can you do reset tools between calls? Can you think of using your voice a certain way so that it is crisp and clear in front of your face instead of like this, where it gets to this point and you're dying by the end of the day, you know, can you sip in between? There's so many little ways we can work with people instead of uh, putting restrictions on or taking away their passion that you're, you know, they have passion for their job. We want them to keep doing that. How can we help them keep doing that? Same as singers, same as teachers, you know, um, it's important to meet people where they are too. Same with clients and writers for sure. Absolutely. I wanted to, I I was about to wrap it up and then I was like, you know what? There's this one thing that I I want her to say. (laughs) I, I, again, I'm, I, you know, I listened to your, the other podcast you've spoken on and I think people think that this one thing that I'm about to say is a tool to help your voice when it's actually not. And I think you said it's one of the worst things you can do. And that is clearing your throat. Oh yeah. Is that, can you talk a little bit about like what is happening anatomically yeah. when, when you do that? And maybe what is a, one thing you can do instead to, to like, you know, cause we, I think we do it maybe unconsciously or we, it's, it can be like a tick. It can be, it feels like we need to, clear something out of there. And so what's something we can do instead and and why is it so bad? Yeah, that's a really great question because literally deal with it every single day with patients and, and, or even my husband, I I catch myself and I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna, (laughs) I'm not gonna be an ag at home, but I know what's going on on the inside. That's why I'm passionate about that too. But so you could feel the need to clear your throat for a lot of different reasons. And without looking in your own larynx, um, to really know, we could assume, number one, there's sticky white mucus down there and you literally feel it and you want to get rid of it, okay? Number two, you could have what's called globus sensation, which just means this feeling like something is there. And again, it could be created by muscle tension, could also be created by reflux. So something going on lower down, that's a referred sensation to the throat, which is really annoying because there's nothing to clear. But then you keep clearing your throat and that sensation won't go away. Um, 
There could be a pathology down there and you sense it and think you can fix it by clearing your throat. There could be post-nasal drip. There could be all kinds of things causing it. So what's really happening, though, when you clear your throat is you are literally slamming those vocal folds together. So this is intense we call it collision forces of the vocal folds colliding together really strongly. And this is, we'll say, quote, damaging, but really just irritating. So what's going to happen when you do that is you puff up your vocal folds. So you make them swell because they're going to protect for the next slam. So they're going to puff up and swell. They're also responding to that slam. So they're like, ah, oh. so we're going to puff up and swell. Then they don't vibrate well when they're puffed up and swollen, just the same as if you sprain your ankle playing at a basketball game, uh, it's going to puff up and swell and you can't play well or be agile and twisty like you need to be. So anyways, vocal folds don't vibrate like they should if they're puffed up and swollen. And that's an issue. Then your brain is like, whoa, this is not working perfect. You need to work harder for your voice. So the brain tells the body to use muscle tension and effort and strain. And there comes this vicious cycle. What also happens when you clear your throat is... Side note, we all have mucus on our vocal folds. It's good. We need thin mucus on our vocal folds. It's when it gets thicker that we actually feel it. All right? So, side note, the best way to thin your mucus is hydration. All right? But let's just say there is a little bit of that thicker mucus on there. You feel it. That's your need to throw clear. Temporarily, when you throw clear, you do pop that little bit thicker mucus up and out. But then... At the medial edges of the vocal folds, so they're just at the edges, you got nothing. It's like sandpaper friction. So then your brain is like, whoa, nothing there at all, and I'm going to try and vibrate this. So the brain is like, produce mucus, please. We need something there. So then you have that sticky, lovely mucus. Then you feel it again. Then it can be a vicious cycle. So for all these reasons, we don't want to clear the throat, especially if it's like a habitual throat clear. And not even kidding, this is really common. A lot of people do it. Um, If you're the least bit dehydrated too, your vocal folds will produce mucus to hydrate themselves. So that, again, is another reason. So best things you can do when you feel the need to throat clear, you want to notice what that sensation is. What do you feel? Is it mucus? Is it a tickle? Is it dryness? Is it globus sensation? What literally is it? Then notice that. And then you might actually throw it clear and be like, dang, I throw it clear. Okay, cool. You noticed it, which is way better (laughs) than before because you're improving your awareness. But then, okay, we we now notice the sensation. So now you want to substitute something, another motor response, instead of that slam to ease the sensation. And good examples are hard swallows, multiple swallows, sips of water, and there are literally like a ton of examples using cough drops or throat lozenges or hard candies, but no menthol. Menthol is a chemical ingredient. It can be an irritant to the larynx, but when you suck on something in your mouth, it is going to stimulate saliva and swallows. And a swallow, because I've done this when I've seen people during a scope, the swallow actually creates kind of like a vacuum effect of that sticky mucus. It kind of kind of gets it up and then sends it back to the food tube, which is where we want it to go. And then we clear your larynx of any mucus and we ease that irritation and we didn't slam it together. Because literally, if you think about when, when anybody clears their throat, we, we swallow afterwards. We go, <clears throat> and then we swallow. So just take away the slam 
and swallow. And then you're easing the irritation. You're prompting swallows when you suck on, say, a hard candy or something. And we're taking that irritation or we're taking that sensation out of her throat and we're bringing it somewhere else. And again, that's the whole theme here with voice use too. Get it out of her throat. Bring it somewhere else. Send it to the people. Get the support somewhere else. Let this throat be relaxed, open, and allow your vocal folds to just vibrate while you do different things with your voice because it's healthy and relaxed and open down there. I love that. The theme is get it out of your throat. That's yeah. <laughs> that's going to be the episode of this podcast. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes, it's, that's it's good. So up and out. It's an easy way to think about all of these tips kind of wrapped up in one. And mm-hmm. I think especially as we have a million things going on as instructors, how do we, how do we just, you know, make it really concise for ourselves mm-hmm. for this following thing and, and moving. Thank you for, for demonstrating. I was like, Oh, she's sacrificing herself here for us with, with this demonstration. Anytime. But it's so true. If you just think about swallowing instead or drinking some water or something else, it mm-hmm. kind of alleviates that need and gets your mind out of this reflex motion that we, yeah. we just tend to do. And, and I think it's something we tend to do when we're nervous or scared, we put everything down here and really like quiet in our throat. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to put that in the show notes just as a reminder. as a yeah. summary. So where can people find you? How can they engage with you? How can they learn more? I, I think you're, you know, all of your resources are amazing, but, but promote yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, on Instagram, VoxFit, V-O-X-F-I-T within an underscore, right after the T. And I usually do at least one kind of research-based post a week and then also try for an inspirational post too. That is my mission to kind of combine those two again, like I said. So Instagram really active with just information and outreach and things like that. And you can definitely reach me on there. My website is voxfitconsulting.com. Lots of good info on there. Really active blog as well. And all kinds of information about voice, about how we can work together, what we can do, what your goals are, um, what can go wrong, all that kind of stuff. And information about me, if you're interested, of course. Um, And then Facebook, same thing, VoxFit Consulting. And I have one course on my website that is all about muscle tension release. And it's a ton of information via videos and handouts and pictures and descriptions about all kinds of things you can learn to reset your own muscle tension, stretches, massages, release techniques, etc. I do this on patients as well because I'm trained in manual therapy and myofascial release, but there are a lot of things you can learn to do to yourself, which are dramatically helpful after a lot of voice use or after, for some reason, you've been using muscle tension instead of um, a voice that's supported by air. And for those reasons, you want to release that tension. You don't want to let it build. And so that course is on there and I'm developing, it's not done yet, but one for fit pros related to voice use, which is pretty similar to the the seminars that I do for studios and groups and whatnot. So that should be done hopefully soon. And again, I work with people individually or in groups and, or whatever works for you. Really. There's a lot of ways we can use, um, even Skype or zoom or FaceTime 
during a class and then we can talk afterwards or we could just do sessions related to voice therapy if needed or just vocal coaching if needed whatever is needed for you obviously here to help that's my mission and passion and i'm just here to help people to use their gift because you definitely have one if you've been inspired to be an instructor it's so true. I And Sarah, just to say it again, I think you are such a gift. So thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you. Podcast. Thank you to everybody who's listening. I hope you were inspired to find your voice, use your voice, keep things out of your throat. Yes. Share your gifts with the world. Sarah, thank you again so much. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.